This is Jeffrey Thomas, author of Punk Town, and you are listening to Microphones of Madness. Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there's Steve. Hello. Hello. I'm trying to do my my most sword and sorceress voice I can muster. Well, since we're doing Beastmaster, all you have to do is go, hey y'all. <laughs> or I can go, ah! <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> And we'll get to all that. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking the classic sword and sorcery film, The Beastmaster, which has absolutely nothing to do with the book it was supposedly based on. Yes. Um, Andre Norton, who wrote the book, um, hated the movie and uh, disavowed himself from it. He recused himself from the movie. Yes. he While accepting all royalties that he could. Well, he should have. So basically, um, the overall plot of Beastmaster is Dr. Doolittle on steroids. And there are a lot of steroids. <laughs> There's uh, some fucking views in that film. <laughs> no one wears a shirt at all. At all. Nobody, nobody no wears shirts. No shirts. Maybe a vest. You know, I, I will I will say this about about the film and that the men wore less than the women. That is definitely true because the women had tunics. Um, you know, of course there was gratuitous boob. There was there was some boob. Um, um there was there was a, a couple of uh butt shots. Yeah. With with thong. But the thing that surprised me, right, now, before, before we get into the thing that surprised me, is that this is the first time I've ever seen this film. I can't believe that, because this film was literally on all the time when I was a kid. Well, I, I haven't had cable till fairly recently, and yeah, it's just a movie that I never saw, and so... To do this show, I watched Beastmaster for the first time. And I know Steve's probably seen it uh, at least two dozen times. I, I, when, when I was growing up, that, the handshake, the Beastmaster handshake was a thing in, in my circle of friends. Mm. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but yeah, we did, we did the clasping the forearm. Well, that's, that's the old-school handshake there, clasping of the forearm. Because I don't know why you wouldn't want to grab somebody's hand. Because they might be Trump and might be all mealy. Yeah, possibly. So nobody, yeah. had, nobody had a mealy handshake in this fucking movie. Um, so the big surprise for me in this movie was not Mark Singer, uh, not the not Midge from that '70s show, but JJ's dad from Good Times. Dad, you didn't John Amos. Yes. He's like the best part of this movie. And the only brother in this world. He very well might be. But he's like, he makes up for it because he's awesome. 
He is. He is. He's pretty awesome. He's pretty awesome. He kind of reminded me of uh, Michael Clark Duncan's character in in the Scorpion King, mm. which we might have to add that to our list of movies. That'd be hard, but yeah, we can do that. Um, I, looking back on this movie because I hadn't watched it in years, mm-hmm. and uh, John Amos's character may have been my subconscious motivation to play monks in D and D. I, I thought he was more of a druid. He didn't cast any spells. He just kicked ass with a quarterstaff. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So, uh, yeah, what we have is we have a guy that can has the magical power to talk to animals. <laughs> and and it's his, not, it doesn't apparently, it's not all animals, because he can't tell horses to go yeah, what in the other the, direction. What the he fuck has, is that? He can he's talk the beast to master. He's not the beast master unless he can talk to all the animals. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, the beast apprentice. Yeah, uh, the, the the beast the amateur. The beast Jonin. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, actually, that would like... make the beast master in the Naruto uh, the the beast Chunin because he's more than than like he's definitely got power. He definitely can use it, but he doesn't quite get it all. Right, he can't do anything useful like uh, tell the horses to run the other way. Right. He has a connection with a tiger, a black tiger, jet a black, black tiger, tiger, named Rawr. <laughs> a, a falcon. A falcon who sounds like a falcon, a chicken, and a crow. Yes, who can carry a, you know, 40-pound oh, kid. Right. Easily. Yes. And, and then a couple uh, of ferrets. Right. A couple of ferrets who, and, you know, they made the movie, really. Ferrets were awesome. And, if it was just like the ferrets and John Amos show, it would have been right. like a five-star movie. Well, you know, it was it, – and, of course, you know, Mark Singer, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. You know, this was like uh, 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 Richard Spencer's Jungle Book. Well, this is and this is before he had that horrible plastic surgery that he had later on in his career. Uh, he had a career after this. Who starred? Who starred in the TV series? Uh, another guy altogether. Was it another guy? Yeah, he was. Uh, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Sucks. Well, they got a, they got a guy around the same age uh, he was when he made the film. Mark Singer so, didn't look good yeah. after a while. He looked like. Mark Singer was a guest star in the TV series. Now, I did watch the TV series. Yeah, I never watched the TV series. And I will say that the TV series overall was much better. Really? I, I enjoyed the TV series a lot better. Uh, it had a more interesting cast of characters. Um, they rolled John Amos's character and in, in Tao into essentially one character, but they made him more of a, a rogue, I suppose you could say. Okay, um, and not the not the son of the king. He's just a he's just a rogue. Uh, they were, I think, I think what they a lot of what they did with the with the Beastmaster TV series, they were trying to capitalize on the success of Xena and right. Hercules. Oh, okay. It was around the same time. Yeah, it was around the same time, and they they they, they went with that Xena and and Hercules kind of formula, except they had the. Um, the gods actually kind of coming in in the form of uh, there was the nature demon 
Curapelli uh, Kira or something like that. Yeah, I, I honestly no interest in watching the television series. Um, as you well know, it takes a lot for me to watch a television series. Right, right. It does take. I will tell you, his weapon was really cool, though. Yeah, a throwing thing that he had. No, no. Uh, in the TV oh. series, he had a instead of a sword, he had a staff that was like made of bone, and one end had like a like a glaive type of head on it. The other end was like a ball club. Oh, that's. And it was it would could would detach, and he could use it as sticks, or he would click it together and use it as a staff. Oh, so it was cool. it was a really cool weapon. That was a, it was a good design. That's kind of cool. But we're talking about the film. We're talking about the film. And the it's 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 an interesting way they laid it out because they did do like the kind of Conan thing, where each leg of his journey was kind of like a separate little episode. It, it was that, but it all made sense in the end. Yeah, and they all had then they brought in the uh, right. And then but, they brought in the plot of uh, I have to rescue the girl, right? Who the, who turned out to be his cousin? That's kind of icky. yeah. And they never they never mentioned that at all. Yeah, they they they. That's my cousin, and you never got the. So, so what happens is, quick plot summary: um, evil priest gets a uh, prophecy, you're going to be killed by the unborn son of the king. Well, he could, I'm going to go kill the unborn son today. He has his his uh, cadre of super sexy witches with oatmeal faces, which we'll get oh, into later. The oatmeal faces, the people aren't, you know, the oatmeal faces have been mentioned, were mentioned to me like right in the beginning when I said, I'm going to watch this movie for the first time. But I, I look at them over and over and over again. It's like they're uh, bargain basement leather face masks. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get into into the aesthetics in a little right. bit. Um, so they t- extract the unborn child from the queen and put it in the belly of a cow. And then while they're, I don't know why they didn't bother just plunging a knife into her stomach, but whatever. Um, then during the second part of this, where they're going to actually kill the baby, um, they're interrupted by a traveling villager. Right. <laughs> Who's armed to the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the baby is born out of a cow and the villager adopts the baby, brings him to his village, teaches him the way of the sword and the throwy thing. Yes discovers he has the ability to talk to the animals. Yes, once, well, when his, when a bear attacks, he can, that's the other thing, there's not a lot of consistency in the rules of what he can and cannot talk to. Right. Because he, he told his bear to go away. Maybe it's like super wild animals, not domestic. And he, and, well, he talked to the dog. Oh, he the dog rescued him, so who knows? It's, he can talk to plot animals. Yes. Which doesn't, you know what? Because of what it is, that doesn't bother me. Because of what kind of movie it is, it doesn't bother me. There's a, a lot going on. There's more more things I have to complain about 
with this movie than the inconsistency of his Beastmaster. Right. Um, so his village eventually gets attacked by a uh, horde of evil bandits. It's a warlord's horde. It, it's hard to get motivations of things in this movie because it was filmed like in the California desert or something. Mm-hmm. So you have these, these city and town sets surrounded by desert. And just why would anybody care to take over this town because there's no arable land around it? <laughs> I don't know. They were farming the shit out of that land and not doing a fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing grows. The main city is in the middle of, of like the desert. There's nothing growing anywhere. I don't know how these people are living, and I don't know why a warlord would bother taking over this city, because who gives a shit? There's no corn. But apparently, but apparently there are a fuck ton of carrots. Yes. Because Dar walks into the city, there are carrots every fucking place. I bet they got a, a discount. I haven't uh, seen, haven't seen anything. <laughs> I mean, Dar himself farms the shit out of grass apparently yeah they're like <laughs> they live on grass and <laughs> the, the energy of the universe well it's like that uh and carrots in uh the holy grail where the peasants are just piling mud mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had some wonderful muck over here <laughs> okay so so you have these they dirt are literally people. dirt farmers you have dirt farmers their village gets sacked and he's the only one who survives so he, he goes and wanders. The efforts of a, of a brave and awfully strong, skinny-ass dog. Yeah. And the dog got shot and dragged into safety. That's right. That, that dog that dog is like deserves a silver star for valor because he was shot through the heart with a Sally, Sally would do that for me, though. I have full confidence that Sally would do that for me. Yeah, it drags Dar to safety. Out in the middle, it was like like ten miles away, where there are actually trees. Right. Then he has a series of of meeting his animal companion adventures, mm-hmm. where he meets his tiger, his ferrets, and his eagle. Actually, actually, the eagle's like right off the bat. Yeah, the eagle's right off the bat because he wakes up from his unconsciousness, suddenly able to see through the eagle's eyes. Right. Um, then the the ferrets try and steal crap from him. Right. And they've been quicksand. Which was actually, I like that sequence a lot. Yeah, that was probably the best, one of the better sequences. I'm going to disclaim that right now that I actually like this movie, and I continue to like this movie. This, it, it, it didn't break my opinion of it. Uh, it didn't ruin my childhood, as they say. It, it, yes, I look back on it and say it wasn't the greatest movie that I thought it was when I was like 10, 11 years old when I first saw it. Or however old that was. When you were 10 or 11, what made that movie? Was it had a tiger in it? It had a tiger in it. It had, had bare breasts. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I was 10 years old. Um, yeah, tiger in it had cute ferrets. And, you know, it, I played D&D, and it was one of the only, you know, movies out there that was like that. Right. So, yeah, I, I that movie was actually made for me, and I liked it. And it didn't help didn't hurt that it was on almost every day at some point. And so you right. can just watch it over 
and over. That being said, yes, there are some problems with this film. Uh, the, the, I'm going to tell you all of them. <laughs> first, first and foremost is the major plot device is oh my uh, I don't even know really how to describe like a pickup artist wet dream. Yeah, he meets his his uh, love interest Tanya Roberts. Oh, Tom, is it Tanya Roberts? Tanya Roberts. Ta yeah. Better known as Midge from that 70s show. Is that Midge from that 70s show, really? Yes, sir. Damn. Not maybe not Midge. The neighbor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Okay. Donna's, Donna's mother. All right. That makes more sense. Um, yeah, so he meets her and he, he yeah, he puts her in danger from his tiger and rescues her. And then, like, rams his own tongue down her throat. And, <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, that, that was like, oh, my. It's very oogie. It's, it's, it's very oogie. It's very, it's very uh, red nails uh, Conan, you know, coming up, to, coming up to the top of the hill and going, hey, baby, I just followed you I all the way from town. Yeah, I followed you oh, from wait, the wait, coast. Wait, 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 wait. I followed you 400 miles from the coast. I killed wait, wait, the other wait, guys wait. that were following you. So Conan, give me a kiss. Right. Conan Conan is Robert E. Howard's, you know, idealized self. So Conan has to go, Hey baby. I just followed you four hundred miles. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. You do bring up you give a, me some give me some sugar, baby. You bring up a good point is that these uh, sword and sorcery male protagonists have a trope. <laughs> associated More or less, this is the trope: is that they can do shit like this. They can deceive and 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 connive their way to uh, a kiss or whatever, um, because they're the hero. They're the few endowed hero. Fuse. And it, it, it's, you know, this is like the extreme version of that trope. Yeah. But, you know, you had it in Conan. Um, you have it like with uh, characters like Hal Jordan does it. Yeah. You have it with characters like Hal Jordan. Uh, you had it in like Highlander. Uh, you know, Connor McCloud just like, hi. Hello. I am Scottish, <laughs> but I am French. Get naked. I am immortal. Yeah. James, um, that, James Bond. That James Bond. Another Connery. That's another Connery film. Well, oh, Jesus Christ. Way. Even, even speaking, even uh, Indiana Jones' dad. Ah, yes. Ships passing in the night. <laughs> so, it, it, I mean. I'm as human as the next man. Exactly. It's it's oogie, it's gross, and this is an extreme version of it. But I mean, this this is a trope that it goes way back. Yeah. Uh, during your mic test earlier, you were we were talking about uh, Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Yeah. Spider Man effectively stalks Mary Jane, waiting for her to get mugged in New York City so he can right. rescue her. Because he's a because he's a uh, he's a superhero. Yeah. 
you know, and, and, and uh, not, maybe not in the movie, but in the old, old comics, Superman would do stuff like that, too. I mean, because yeah. that's like, it's, it's like the, uh, you the get a adolescent male power fantasy. There you go. There you go. So, it is the cringiest moment in this movie. A little bit beyond that, and that and Rip Torn's nose prosthesis. I love that. Now, um, she though she doesn't take it from him in in, no. in Beastmaster. She uh, she flips him over on his back and asks him who the fuck he is. Yeah. Uh, I'm Dar. I'm Tar. Although it's, it's it's Mark Singer and Mark Singer has a little bit of a twang in his voice, so he's like, "I'm Dollar." <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All comes down to Texas. It really, it all comes down to Texas. If you can understand Texas, you can understand sword and sorcery. That's right, and 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 apparently every sword and sorcery film in the eighties was was. Uh, a spaghetti, a spaghetti western with uh, less clothing. Well, uh, you know what, Conan, the, the vaunted Schwarzenegger Conan movie, which I don't particularly like. We're gonna had, get to that in a second because I got to ask you about that. Had a lot of the same aesthetic as this movie. You have towns in the middle of the of nowhere, yep. with no visible means of support. I know it's cheap to film what you film, and I I understand. The mechanics of it, just aesthetically, the plots that these movies have are not, don't revolve around what you see on the screen. And there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance in my brain when I see these things. That's right. It's like, okay, why is what? Why are you trying to to take what over the this fuck does town? The king want with this fucking wasteland? Yeah. How is that going to? feed your coffers or your soldiers <laughs> at all. It's a step pyramid in the middle of fucking nowhere with a bunch of carrots. Mm. Surrounded by... Uh, apparently, apparently evil soldier armies eat rocks. They must. And, and Dar and his people eat grass. Yes. And... Okay, now... Yes, we have we have the cringeworthy moment of the the adolescent male power fantasy and yes. Dar, you know, uh, I'm Dar. Let's get it on. Um, because I just saved you your life from my pet tiger. Right now, she is, and a, I stole your clothes with my pet ferrets. Because I'm the beastmaster. That's right. Uh-huh. I'm the beastmaster. Got a burn on my hand too. Yes, he has the mark of whatever it is. He has the mark yeah, of that. some some a god that starts with yeah, a. Whatever the name that fucking god's name is. Now, um, oh no, I, I would say I would say you know there's a lot of things going on here that are like very cheaply made. I mean, this movie had like no budget. No, um, it really it didn't, and. That's the other thing is had no budget, and I think it did a, an effective job with the budget it had. Yes, they, they should have, they should have invested in some sod. 
a, but, maybe a, maybe a little bit of sod, someplace with some some more trees. Uh, just just to give you, because all right, what about the bat people? Okay, the bat people. That that was kind of a cool sequence. That was it was random. It was completely random, and internally, it made absolutely no sense. Correct. It had because, nothing to do with with well, nothing, really. But, well, the scene itself had nothing had made no sense because you had these bat people with a prisoner in a cage and there's a big pot of soup which has a human body in it right but then you come to find out that they actually have no mouths and they eat by wrapping their bat wings around somebody and digesting them externally Mm -hmm. like spiders yeah so what do you need the the soup for Uh, what is the soup guests Boiled meat attracts people to the tree, where they can where they can capture you. I mean, why yeah, even capture like a guy to hold him for later? Well, you know, you're not hungry all the time. Uh, yeah, but there's so damn many of them. What's yeah, one guy gonna do? Maybe they were just on a raid. Um, yeah. They were able to overwhelm the villagers because they eat dirt. And uh, they're probably, the bad people are probably also weakened because, you know, they're higher up the food chain than people. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough nutrients in the people because they're eating dirt. So they're probably weakened bad people. Yes. Well, they are kind of pasty. They are very pasty. Thin. But, but they, they I will worship, say, they, they worship an they worship a falcon. God. Hey, they I just have a, I have a falcon right here. Right. Now I will say it is, you know, cinematically speaking, it's very striking when the camera pans out and you see them all standing in like that row. Yeah, with their wings their, folded their up. Wings folded up, and they're striking and they're, their their. And they're really tall. Pool. I mean, they're uh, yes, they're at least a foot and a half taller than everybody else. Right, which means they're average height people who are standing on boxes. Right, they're looming. Yes, quite. Now um, it's it's very cheap. I mean, it's definitely it's masks and and you know robes, rubber yes. rubberized robes and everything. But it's effective. Um, well, it's also dark at that point in time too. And it's dark. Yes, they well they're bats. They wouldn't be out at night. Right. And those cool like glob globular lanterns that they have oh, yeah. hanging from the trees. Yeah, you know, I will say I will say this. You know. I've I've sat here several times and made fun of uh, Mark Singer's you know gone on again off again Texas twang, but this movie, barring you know that that one scene with Tanya Roberts and 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 Mark Singer, and the ro- beginning of the romance subplot, this movie works really well when there is no dialogue. Yeah. And there are there are a number of sequences in this film that there there is no talking whatsoever. It's just you know, it's silent. Well, it's either like action, and the action sequences are fairly good. They're they're not epic great, but they're fairly good for what they are. They're I, all right. I, I mean, I like you know, it's in not Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon yeah, swordplay. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's that Conan level of swordplay where, you know, it's like okay, move one, move two, step back, twirl your sword around your head, 
move right. one, move two. It's it's obvious. Oh, my sword's up here. Okay, I'm gonna walk across you like this. Right. And it's obvious these these are actors who who this is they got trained to do their part. Yeah. And and look flashy with a blade or a well, quarter staff or whatever. I, I will say John Amos looked good doing a quarter staff. I think he had he used it before. Um. But you know what? Schwarzenegger was the same way. If you're going to compare it to the King of oh, All, absolutely, it's absolutely. Shit. It's, goddamn it! I'll bring out Star Wars. I'll bring out the the lightsaber duel at the Death Star. I'll yeah. Just, you know how flashy was that? And that's like the greatest scene of all time. Uh no 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 no. The 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 impact of the Death Star duel between Obi Wan and Darth Vader. <laughs> I know exactly what buttons to press. <laughs> which is now, which has now been contradicted by what you see in in your favorite Star Wars film. It is definitely, um, and I've heard and, it explained away in continuity. I, I've right. heard the, the explanation that but you know it was it was very very slow. There's still feelings, you know. David Prowse, it's David Prowse slow. was not a fencer. He was not a swordsman at all. And and I don't remember um, Alec Guinness, right at that time, and I don't remember him having any type of like that Shakespearean swordplay type of thing. Um, and they that was a very poorly done uh, scene. You know, it was like when you're a kid and you're watching this, you're like, oh, cool, like laser swords, and then you get a little bit older. And you're a little more discerning, and you're like, well, if this is the old way Jedi knights fought, that one must have been boring. Well, and the thing is that these films originally were made for that demographic. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, because my dad took me to see a bunch of those films. Right, right. And he, and he was the guy who was like, oh, I can't believe I'm watching this shit with you. Right. <laughs> and and now you, you mentioned... you mentioned Love your dad. Conan. Happy Father's Day. You, you mentioned Conan. Conan who held, held his sword like this. Yes. Um, you know the sequence, you get that the guns right you have you have two similar sequences right they're shot different but they're basically the same thing um you know you have the the Conan on the beach once he you know falls into the hole and he gets the sword from the yes. statue of Krom does his like and he does his spinny 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 yeah. thing and Dar you know unsheaths the sword and he's standing on the mountaintop, and he. And you, get the, you get the you get the eagle eye view of it because right. there's an eagle, right? And he does the same fucking set of moves. Yes. Now, what if? And both of them, you know, the sword is is way too long. Both swords are way too long, way too thick. Well, in in Dar's defense, what they do with them. In, in Dar's defense, during that sequence. He was probably seeing himself from the eyes of the eagle doing that and got disoriented. Right. Um so yeah, you had you had that. That was that was kind of cheesy. Uh you know, and then you had your your cuts, which are basically they just put uh you could definitely see the edits. When when the guy would come up and like hit the dude across the face with a sword, and you would see the jump cut, and then the guy would have just like a line of fake blood right across his cheek, or or people were getting hit 
and, and like falling the opposite way that they would have would have if they had actually gotten hit that way. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, it's almost comical looking back on it. I'm, you know, when it was when it was fresh, when it was new, and everybody was eleven. I'm sure this was like, oh, this is the most amazing fucking thing I've seen. Yeah. But now well, we have yeah. now we have like choreographed battle scenes. Right, you have choreographed battle scenes, you know, um I've watched a lot of Hong Kong films. Uh now you got to admit that like at the same time a lot of those films were cheesy as shit too. Well, a lot of those films, yeah, you know, your Shaw Brothers and stuff like that. You know, even your Jackie Chan films with your, you know, six move pause choreography where you know it's one two three four five six right. pose <clears throat> you know and and but you know at least jackie chan would bring it you know six and then the next exchange would be 12 and the next exchange might go back to six right but, you know the shaw brothers which it is guy in white suit four moves guy in black uh, the, suit four uh, moves the, back. Uh, the shaw brothers the ones with like the really straight hair and the beards yeah, yeah. Shaw Brothers are the ultra stylized. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just, just, looks, just making sure yeah. we're on the same. Straight right. hairs, ponytails, sideburns. Yeah. And, you know, it's not. All these are classic and they're cheesy as shit. Mm-hmm. And you don't get like the more sophisticated um, fight scenes until much, much later. Uh, Mid eighties, depending on where you are, because you know. And I think a lot of that Jackie Chan started. And, right, but like now in in America, well, this is this is riding the wave of these sword and sorcery movies that kind of died out, right? Um, in the mid eighties, and mm-hmm. and rightly so, because you know, eventually they all became yeah. the same. All, well, all candor aside, if Conan and Beastmaster are the pinnacle of these sword and sorcery movies, and I think we can agree pretty much that they are. There's there may be a uh, uh, an argument for Cull with Kevin mm-hmm. Sorbo, yeah. Despite the fact that he's a douchebag, but that was more of a '90s. But that was in the '90s, and that was like kind of an anomaly. Yeah, and but, it, they only made Cull the Conqueror because Hercules was doing so well on television. Right. Which brings me to my other point: a lot of this moved to television. Mm-hmm. Um, where you would have Hercules or Xena, uh, or the Beastmaster, or the Beastmaster television show, or Briscoe County Junior, Jack, or, of uh, Jack of All Trades, yeah, that kind of episodic heroic fantasy moved to television, and those—that's a whole different ballgame because those were done really well. They they are done really well. They are cheesy, but they play up the cheese factor. They you know Xena. Hercules and and especially Briscoe County Jr. and Jack of All Trades, you know they those shows did not take themselves seriously at all. No, and and that's the 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 uh, Ramy Tappert influence, right. I think, on that. And where, and when you have your your Conan, your Beastmaster, your Red Sonia, your Gore, uh, yeah, uh, uh, do you, if you like Steel Dawn with Patrick Swayze, yeah. Look at the catalog for uh, the original run of Mystery Science Theater, and you can get a shitload of them. Right. I'm just thinking about the the 1980s. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. 
Because there were a lot of, and because people were going to see Conan, people were going to see Beastmaster. So, you know, everybody with a, a production company who can get funds together from, you know, the meatpacking industry is going to make a sword and sorcery movie in the empty lot around the corner. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and really when you think about it, as a sword and sorcery movie, it was kind of like a Western Right, and you know, it, it, it's a bleak landscape, a couple of characters, and the right costume. And you don't really need a lot of special effects. Right. Um, look, at this movie had animal effects, mm-hmm. um, some pyrotechnics, and yeah. some clever. Like I'm trying to figure out how the uh, yeah, I don't know think how the how the grass farmer's houses exploded. I want to know how the tar pit exploded. Uh, it's because it was actually bitumen. It's special, special sword and sword. It's the, it was the combination of the dirt that they threw on top of it. <laughs> That's it. The, the dirt is the accelerant. Uh, no, Dar, Dar said, okay, we have about 48 hours prepared. So what you want to do is you want to run back to where my village was, get some of that grass. <laughs> because our houses were built out of that shit, and they blew the fuck up. Yes, so they're not very expensive to make, relatively speaking. Nowadays, I think they're a little bit more expensive because people want the flashes, the bangs, the CGI. They want a dragon or something that that these movies weren't willing or able to give. Right. You you know, you got to have your, you know, eight years in New Zealand filming it with a cast of thousands of people and, uh, you know, artisans from all over the world handcrafting cups that are only going to be used in like a 30 second sequence right yeah you, you know you don't have that budget right um and you know if you didn't need it could this movie have used like a big monster or something that dar could have fought prior to storming the temple yeah not really no i think it, w- it would have been cool it would have been cool, but you know, it would have it would have gone along the lines of the giant snake in Conan, you know. And it would, you had to do something different, so it didn't come out as just a, a, a Conan clone. Because a lot of the the a lot of sword and sorcery period is. I'm, I'm going to say this, Conan and people who are listening might disagree, and I, I'm not going to apologize. But I think this movie had more of a Conan. R.E.H. Conan feel to it than the Schwarzenegger film did. Right. Now, okay. what started what started this episode was you actually went on social media. I did. I went on Facebook and said that this is a better movie than Conan. Right. And it didn't really cause the controversy that, that we thought it was going to cause. Um, you know, Molly, a, it was like course, a 50-50 split between the people who bothered to, to right. uh, go on talk about it right uh and i think molly tanzer offered to fight you over it yeah she doesn't like this movie no now do i it's better than lady like the (laughs) shit of course you know going by i don't remember lady hawk i don't remember it it either but i don't remember (laughs) it but going by going by Going by Molly's, you know, review of Lady Hawk, Lady Hawk is the most terrible movie fucking ever. Uh, you know, it's Lady like Hawk the Suicide Squad Earth. of Sword and Sorcery. It's her Battlefield Earth. 
Yeah, and you know, honestly, I don't know if I want to watch it again to to to, to confirm or deny. Yeah, so I'm going to stay away from it. Yeah, I, I think we could we could do better than Lady Hawk. Yeah, we can do better than Lady Hawk. We can do uh, we can do Jason Momoa Conan. I'll do that in a minute. I love that movie. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie, and it was better than both Arnold Schwarzenegger and Beastmaster combined. Oh, it's better than any of those old sword and sorcery movies. And I really don't think the Momoa Conan got got the props that it should have gotten. No, people. I think I think that that suffered from it wasn't Arnold because people brand loyalty, mm-hmm. and then people were were saying the script wasn't all that great. But you know what? It was an intriguing story. I compared enjoyed it. Yeah, compared to the short, the riddle oh. of steel. Well, I'll tell you what, and you could you could fight me about this. That movie actually had a plot where Conan Schwarzenegger's Conan did not have a plot. No, it had a conflict, but there was no plot. Right. I mean, it was like okay, I to live forever. Conan's the the Schwarzenegger Conan. Now we we mentioned this that that, that Beastmaster kind of had that little serialized episodic thing going on where his journey from point A to point B. You know, he encountered different things. Conan with Schwarzenegger was like two separate films. Yeah. You had you had a sword and sorcery heist movie. Yep. Which and is then you had based on Tower of the Elephant. Right. And then you had Conan versus James Earl Jones. Right. Bolsa Doom. Bolsa Doom. And and honestly, James Earl Jones plays a great villain. Oh yeah. He he was really, really good in that movie. Right. It, and, it's and, kind of like the, the Jack Nicholson effect when he was the Joker. I mean, right. to me, the focus of, of Conan the Barbarian was James Earl Jones and his character, and I could give a shit about Schwarzenegger or anybody else. In that and, his, and his biceps. Yeah. You know, and it's like Conan the Destroyer. You know, Mako made that film. Yeah, well, you know. Or, or was Mako in the first one? Uh, I think Mako was in this second one. The first one was a different guy. These are the tales of Hyboria. Maybe it was Mako. My name is Aku. My master was a... <laughs> My master <laughs> came to our land a poor man and ended up king. You yeah. will regain your honor, Conan, when you face the Fire Lord. Exactly. <laughs> Mako, Mako had one of the greatest voices. Mako was awesome. But you know what? A shit plot's a shit plot. And, and our, our buddy um, from, from uh, Iron Fist, God damn it, uh, Ben why Jones. Oh, why am I farting? The creator. Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas, um, who who wrote great Conan comics. Mm-hmm. He was responsible for a lot of the post-REH that I enjoy. Savage Sword of Conan, Marvel Conan. And you could safely say that Roy Thomas knew Conan. Right. He wrote a script for uh, Conan the Destroyer, which was ultimately completely rejected. 
And actually, that looks like it would have been a really good movie. Maybe we'll do a read-through of that script if we can find it. it it's, it's online. We can definitely do that. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, what one of the weird things, is, you know, and it's something you see in Sword and Sorcery all the time, and I guess this goes back to Robert E. Howard and his whole essay on the Hyborian Age where – he links all of his sword and sorcery uh, societies to actual ancient societies across the earth. You know, but we have this walled city made of essentially stucco with a walled city that makes no sense made of stucco. Right. Uh, Made of stucco. And then you have a step pyramid like off to the back. I (laughs) I like the battle on the step pyramid. I like yeah. the sacrifices on the step pyramid. I thought the step pyramid was cool. I just wish it wasn't in Stuckoville. Now, where did the king sleep? Where's the king's quarters in this? Did he live in the pyramid? I thought that the priests were in the pyramid. Right. So where does the king sleep? The king just has like a, you know a, a house away. And and given the way that pyramid is constructed, it has absolutely no security. The king's um, quarters, because you as you just, said, you can just walk cow. right in there with a fucking cow. <laughs> a no, the, cow man, the motherfucker has no guards. That was a cow that Imaru would have slit your throat to get a hold of. That's right, because I mean that was a big fucking cow. You know, and it's like he goes in and, and confronts the evil wizard, played by, played by uh, Agent Zed from yeah, Rick Torn. Man, Rick Torn is awesome. Rick, Rick, they they Rick gave Torn. him the Spock eyebrows. They gave him Spock eyebrows <laughs> and, and like bags under his eyes. And bags and under the eyes. nose. Uh, yeah, the like bags that. under his eyes are just Rip Torn, but <laughs> yeah, but a ninety degree angle on his nose. His, yeah, and it was like flat, almost like it's like he had a knife. It was hollow. Nose. It was if you think like aquiline nose, that would be an aquiline nose to the extreme. That's an aquiline nose drawn by a New Yorker cartoonist. Is what <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. And, okay. So the king has guards. He goes to arrest the fucking priest, right? And he's like. I could have you killed where you stand. Oh yeah, well watch uh, this. Yeah, my 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 priest will commit suicide for me. Just just that helps you how look. And 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 the king completely ignores the witches. Yeah, John, John Amos should just killed him. There were a lot of poor decisions made in the beginning of this movie that you could only um, attribute to there was a prophecy. Yes. And once you hear a prophecy, all the actions are going to be toward making that prophecy come true. And they're going to be ironic actions. Yes. Because it's, it's that kind of Greek idea of going to the oracle and trying to thwart your fate. And you're going to end up getting hit by a discus um, when you're an old man from the kid who you thought was dead because you had him killed. But that, that's fake. Quote unquote, had him killed. Right. But um, but with these prophecies, it's not the king's unborn son is going to kill you on the step pyramid 20 years from now after you go crazy and sacrifice every child in the land. Mm-hmm. It's just 
the king's unborn son is going to kill you. So all the actions are going to work towards that because it's destiny. It's prophecy. It's always now. Destiny. Now, see, if I was writing, if I was writing it, right? You know, they, 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 the king's unborn son. Well, apparently the king had two sons. Yes. You know, and they're not specific which one, but they no, just completely not. ignored Tao. But, but Tao was born. Yeah, but he had to be an unborn son at some point. That's true. Yeah, so well, technically Dar was born, just not from mom. Right. Count. And maybe maybe that's what fulfilled the prophecy since he was born, he was delivered by cesarean section from a cow. Um right. that by an oatmeal witch. You know, he's by an oatmeal witch. Uh eat your Quaker oats. <laughs> you know, and 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 he wasn't actually born. He's kind of got he's got the Macduff thing going on, where you know, oh, you know, no woman, you know, no man born of woman can kill me. Well, right. I guess what? I was a C-section motherfucker. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a technicality. Right. <laughs> you're dead, rip torn. You're dead on a technicality. Right, rip torn. You're dead on a technicality. The, but the witch ironic. king. It's the ironic. witch king of the Nazgul, you know, is like, ah, yeah. no man can kill me. Well, guess what? I'm not a man. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and it's it's always ironic because, you know, it's, well, that wasn't, but this is. Because it's by Rip Torn's own hand mm-hmm. that these events play out. If right. Rip Torn had just left everything alone, gone on and killed other people's kids like he wanted to do, Everything would be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe he'd be caught and killed as a child murderer, but he wouldn't have been killed by Dar. Right. You know, and it's one of those things. Is you know, it's I. That's one of the themes of it, I suppose, in a lot of these types of films, and and even like superhero films, any type of fantasy or sword and sorcery or anything like that. Anytime there's a prophecy or something like that, it's always the villain. Who puts forth the 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 initial oh, yeah, of flick course. of the dominoes? Right. Well, because he knows the prophecy, and he's like, okay, well, you know, my I will be overthrown by you know farmer child from Nebraska. Right. Or so your your son is going to kill you and marry your wife. Right. What are you going to do? I'm going to leave him on a mountain. I'm going to leave him on a mountain. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, that's fine. Okay. And, he leaves him on a mountain. He leaves the guy on a mountain. The mountain, some old fart. You know, this, we're getting into, we're getting into Joseph Campbell territory yeah, here. The, I'm going to name you Oedipus. Or some kid born at the end of July is, whose parents have defied you three times is going to um, be your end because neither of you can live while the other survives. Oh, well, uh, the Potters did that. I'm going to go and kill their kid. Right. Oops. Oops. It didn't happen. I'm going to go kill the potters and then I'm going to kill their kid. I'm going to kill right. all three of them. Right. And for some reason, it didn't know, work. It didn't work. So, you know, you always have that kind of thing. It's like the king, oh, the you know, the king will kill you. The, your son will kill you and marry your wife. Okay, I'm going to leave him on a mountain. 
And the old guy comes along and says, oh, guess what? I just happen to be a master of the sword, the bow, the staff, the dagger, the throwing stars, and uh, I can throw fireballs, too. Right. You know, it's just the guy just happens to have the skills that this this character is going to need to fulfill the prophecy. Right. And, And really, it's the sophistication of the author that is going to make it an interesting, believable story for a pile of. Well, I mean, you can even take these like rehashed stories, you know, the, all the, all of these tropes, and and using interesting characters. You know, if you like the characters, you can watch uh, people retread the same stuff all the time. Of course, and you don't even have. I mean, even if the main character. Is you know we were talking about Mako in in the Conan films, you know it's like okay you know yeah Conan is you know this in in those films the generic sword sorcery hero, and but he had, was surrounded by all of these like odd characters, who really the interactions with Conan who as generic sword and sorcery guy was the straight man to all the rest of these characters, especially Mako. But you want these characters to, to kind of make sense in some sort of context. And I think that's where Beastmaster fails, Conan fails, and a lot of these movies fail is it's not so much that the characters aren't interesting, because some of them are, some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. It's that they're randomly placed there. Right, and, and, and always and they, through a random series of events. Right, and, and they don't. it doesn't make structural sense within the story. It makes functional sense. I need this guy to be here because I need him to teach everybody. I need him to learn sword and dagger and bow and fireball. Uh, but structurally, it's a hell of a coincidence that everything right. that happens to him. And I know there's an argument that can be made that you know life is a series of, of coincidences and you're going to get where you are by your past and blah, blah, blah. And if you wrote it down in a book, it would seem crazy. But right, like like all, all every one of these characters is like John Constantine and just rides a synchronicity wave, right? You know? And I, I guess I I think that's kind of a cop out personally, and and but like I said, that's that to me is the is the it, it's the Achilles heel of these films is you have these characters that are in there for no no reason except to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which because is, they're which is convenient. Like, like, Dar can only talk to plot animals. Right. Now, if you, if you look at uh, the, the newer Conan, the Momoa Conan, you had characters that made sense in the context of the story, like uh, when he meets the pirate captain, right? Right. Well, they're all buddies. They're all and they buddies. know each other in history, and they interact like 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 people who have a history haven't seen each other in a while would interact, and mm-hmm. it makes sense. It's not a random thing of oh, I meet a wandering um, quarterstaff user in the woods who helps me rescue my tiger. Oh, he just so happens to be the king's old chief of security, right? And he's guarding the 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 my uh, step brother, my my brother. Oh. And here's the, the the girl I just made goo goo eyes over and, and 
you know, tried to molest in the woods. <laughs> my cousin, because you know, coincidentally, Johnny Most knows her. Right. And and it could have been a, a a better written movie. I think you could have had all the parts that were there, and just written it. And it wouldn't be huge things. Just make it less coincidental, and it would have been a a, a much better movie. Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, it was a, actually a, quite a long movie as well. It was two hours long, yeah, yeah which, which is, is un, unheard of for for movies like that. Now yeah, imagine watching that as a kid. Here. Imagine watching that as a kid um, with commercials. Mm-hmm. Well, some of that had to have been edited out. Yeah, it would have edited for time or content. Edited for content, yes, right. Unless you were watching you know, it on Skinamax. They had some boobs or HBO. Like some some uh, butt thong from the Oatmeal Witches. Man, they were like twerking over their cauldron. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and you know what? But that was also. Seriously, man. Opening sequence. The opening also, sequence of not Master. out of not out of character for this kind of movie though. No, but Maybe still, I'll... the the opening sequence to Beastmaster it was like some type of bizarre mashup of Fifty Cent and Dio. <laughs> <laughs> it was as metal as rap allows. <laughs> right. So it was. And 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 damn, you know the wind machine. Oh, crank, yeah. up the, crank up those fans on the. These fucking torches are blowing flames a foot and a half long, and these guys in robes walk past them. Their robes are not blowing at all until you get to the second scene. Now, it's like, oh yeah, maybe we should point the fans down a little bit, guys. <laughs> now, you, the, the director. And, and interestingly, interestingly, in that scene, right, they walk through the wall the, into the city, right. The wind is blowing the shit out of the torches, not out of the robes, right? You get to the next scene where they're walking up to the pyramid. The wind is blowing the shit out of the robes, ain't touching the torches at all. Yeah, well. You know, it's, it's the weird, weird little things like that that you notice, you know, like stealthing a cow into the king's bedchamber. <laughs> you know, it kind of, kind of you know, messes with the suspension of disbelief that is required to consider any type of quasi-realism going on in this film. Right. Well, it's uh, directed by Donna uh, Coscarelli of Phantasm fame. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and Bubba Hotep. Now, Bubba Hotep I liked. I liked Bubba Hotep a lot. But, I mean... I, I I've never seen Phantasm. Um, I actually have had no desire to see Phantasm. Right. But I, I enjoyed Bubba Hotep. Um, but it's got that kind of the same hovering over the abyss cheesiness to it. Mm-hmm. Just Bubba Hotep's just more clever. Right. And and thinking of Bubba Hotep, you know Bruce Willis or Bruce Campbell. Playing uh, Elvis in that film. I'm sorry, and I'm trying to trying to think. You know, it's like Bruce Campbell in Beastmaster. Well, at the time, Bruce Campbell was busy with the Evil Dead, right? 
in the ring stuff. Exactly, but I, you know, yeah. Dar is back. Backwards is rad. Dar with his boomstick. Right now, now, did you notice something else about Dar? That there had to have been some reshoots because Dar has like different hairstyles throughout the I film. I didn't notice that, but that's hilarious. <laughs> it's like okay, in one scene, he's like he's got one hairstyle, and then it's like the camera does a close up on him, and he's in this, and really not even in the same spot, but he's supposed to be in the same spot, and his hair is completely different. Well, they they definitely could have renamed this film House of, House of a Thousand Mullets. Oh, absolutely. Because it, it, they, like there was some had a mullet. heavy mulleting going on. Even like the guy who looked like Buddy Hackett oh, had God. a mullet. <laughs> and, and, and okay. really, right. that guy, right. he was funny, and he had that one, but he had that one scene where the the Falcon comes, and it's sitting on there, and he has a I'm conversation a with her. Yeah. Not you, I'm a coward. Right, and and you think to yourself because you know the the bird is responding to him as he's talking, and right. he's responding as a Dar's power doesn't seem all that special. Well, you gotta you gotta think and fucking that, Buddy Hackett. <laughs> you gotta think that 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 the the Falcon, the Eagle, whatever, is seeing Buddy Hackett or Dar seeing the Buddy Hackett through the Eagle's eyes. And so Buddy Hackett's talking to the eagle. It's being relayed to Dar. Dar's telling the eagle, give him, give him the side eye. Make sure he knows. Give him the side eye. Although, really, they kind of also imply that the falcon may be a little bit more than just a normal falcon. The falcon is probably the best all-around character in the entire film. Yeah. I mean, the animals themselves were the were the best characters in this film. Yes. I mean, you know, you actually cared about what happened to Shere Khan, right? Uh, um, yeah. So, and and you're right. The, the the Falcon may be a avatar of Falcon Falcon Lord, right? Because he just kind of shows up, right? He, he shows up, and and the mystical bat people um, recognize him as a ship. So, yeah, so there might be something going on with the Falcon there. Um, but how about Buddy Hackett? Who brings their kid to a child sacrifice? So you know children are being thrown into this pit of fire right. on the step. And, and, and it's a your fucking kid? family event, man. Yeah, and, I mean, and, everybody and had their know, kids there. And you know that, that Rip Torn is six ways to crazy and a fanatic. Mm-hmm. Why would you bring your kids? Yeah, it's like why, why don't you? I mean, buddy, the not buddy Hackett, you know, is in and out of that town all day long, right? Right. Why didn't? Why doesn't any? I mean, hell, this is probably the least secure town in the entire world. Yeah, their 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 security is a moat of tar, a moat of tar, and a gate with uh the National Bohemian mascot's grandfather as the counterweight. <laughs> Boy, howdy. <laughs> it's a land of pleasant living. The desert of pleasant living. Right, exactly. 
you think this is bad, try a Natty Bow. <laughs> hey man, I just love some Natty Bow. Yeah, I, I don't find I don't I don't find Natty Bow that bad either. Um, but yeah, so it you know this movie overall. Now, if you're trying to take it as a serious piece of cinema, it's gonna suck. No, I mean you got you definitely got to take it for what it is. You have to sit there. You have to watch it with your tongue firmly in cheek. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about recording a commentary to go along with the film, but I realized I would talk over pretty much the entire film. Well, that's what commentaries do. Well, I mean, you know, cracking jokes on it the entire time, or or stunned silence. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I actually forgot about that pickup artist um, scene. Right, that drives the entire film. Well, you know, it's been it's a like, while. And I block okay. things. Yeah, and now, now, back to the pickup artist thing for a second. They're on the fucking boat, right? They they just rescued they just rescued the uh, Tanya Roberts character. Um, who is apparently also a badass warrior who can't fight worth shit. Um, and they're sitting on the boat. It's like, well, now you know what we're dealing with. Will you help us, Dar? Ask your cousin to ask me. Yeah. Dar grew up in a small village on the eastern shore of the land. You know, and... He's never crossed the bridge to Annapolis and the capital. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's seen a, a, you know, and as little as little clothing as people wear in this world, he's never seen a naked lady before. No, I don't think there were any um, women in his village. Oh yeah, they were. There, were, there are quite a few. They all died. Uh, Everybody in his village died. Right. That However, means- I will say this. I will say this. Most times when you're watching this type of film, most times when you're watching this type of film, right, the women are just running. Yes. Right. And and, and uh, in this honestly, movie, everybody picks up something and starts fucking fighting. Right. Well, it's a hard land. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a harsh land full of, of necessity and 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 explosive grass. Uh, but so okay all kidding aside what did you think of the film um I, I, are you gonna ruin my childhood am i gonna ruin your childhood i don't know if i'm gonna ruin your childhood because i don't really think that this film can be watched any other way than with your tongue firmly in cheek if i was trying to watch this as a serious piece of cinema or or a serious piece of sword and sorcery fiction I would have to say I hated this film. This was one of the most awful films I've seen. But shifting the gaze a little bit to think of it in terms of of cheesy humor and something like that, yeah, you know, it it entertained me and and gave me plenty of uh, plenty of room to make those shouting at the screen screen jokes. Okay, fair um, enough. That, that I, I, you know, if I watch a bad movie, it has to be that way. I have to play MST3K. No, I understand. And there's definitely a lot of cringe in this movie. Um, I, I think that if saying that you have to watch a tongue-in-cheek 
you would have to watch all of these early 80s sword and sorcery films tongue-in-cheek because they're all like well, from the same cloth you have to watch pretty much everything tongue-in-cheek i mean that's, you know i mean that's okay that's a broader existential statement but but like conan is like got the same things wrong with it absolutely the absolutely. only the only difference really is it's schwarzenegger right and and for some reason schwarzenegger lends kind of a, a faux gravitas to it because it's schwarzenegger right because he's but, his, his accent and and it has the iconic line that howard yeah, never gotta, right and you have to you have to um Look at Conan. J the Momoa Conan, you know, kind of forces you to uh, watch, be a little tongue-in-cheek about it. You know, Army of Darkness, of course, is... Well, that's designed. Yeah, that's, they, that's they, by I mean, design. If they ever took themselves seriously, it was in evil, the first Evil Dead movie. Right. So, you know, yeah, you, you do end up having to... to watch these types of films very tongue-in-cheek except for lady hawk and uh yeah we're not going to do lady hawk just cut out your eyes just cut out your eyes um and i think i think it works you know you have to do that for you know pretty much all fantasy films because yeah i mean you know these these even even the hobbit you know or or lord of the rings where elves are a non-newtonian fluid Um, you have Does to. I mean, when you poke an elf, it crumbles. No, the harder you poke it, the harder it is. It's like it's like corn. Legolas is cornstarch and water in a in a leather bodysuit. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you you do. You have to watch all of this kind of stuff with with your tongue planted firmly in cheek, and definitely not expecting Oscar winning performances. No, absolutely, or, or groundbreaking special effects. No, absolutely not. And and, but it is what it is. Um, for you know, if you want to take it in context of the genre, it's a brilliant film. If you want to go into a broader context, yes, you you have to kind of not take it seriously. Right, but you can still you know cast that critical eye on it and and examine the problematic elements. Right. Now, now, here's an interesting question. Uh-oh. No, no. Would this movie um, benefit from being remade, rebooted, or whatever with modern sensibilities and an updated cast and, and choreography that actually looks good? Um, Do you think that the premise of the film, the, 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 the it, gravitas of the film, is it, would it be worth redoing, revisiting this film for modern audiences. Well, I mean, they did they did do a television series um, in the '90s, um, in early 2000s. So, and and it did progress. There was somewhat better choreography. Um, you know, the characters were a little more interesting. Even even uh, the actor playing Dar in the television series was a little bit better of an actor. Well, you um, could do that with and, anything. And the sensibilities and the sensibilities were were updated. They, I mean, enough. I don't ever think you're going to get perfect, um, you know, when you're when you're dealing with some of these particularly classic styles of storytelling like sword and sorcery. You know, it has so much history, so many tropes that you just can't help but throwing that problematic shit in there, right? 
you know, almost almost instinctively. What if you did it like a Red Sonia kind of thing? What like like Gail's Red Sonia? Well, where Dar was a woman. Okay, make Dar woman. So you know, she she same kind of thing. She's born of a cow. Blah blah blah. Yeah. She can talk to, to animals, and she goes on her, her hero's quest. Yeah. Well, I mean, even then, I'm, you know, it, sure. I mean, any of this stuff. I mean, Conan worked well with Momoa in an updated version. Right. Um, you know, and I think, I think a lot of these, maybe not something like gore, but... Um, yeah, Molly really, like, schooled me on that, and I, like... I, I agree with her. It would just either way that that would be just an or fantasy. or or Zardoz. I don't think you could get remake Zardoz. Yeah. Um, Zardoz. Yes. Yes. Look Is Miss Money Penny in that skull? And you know, three hundred. You know, definitely three hundred, but it would. Certainly not be the same film. They did make 300 in, as, a, as a more modern, updated film. They called it Wonder Woman. Oh, well, I was going to say you can make it like Band of Brothers or something. Yeah, you could do it like that too. Um, but yeah, you know, I could see, I could see, you know, somebody coming along, a, a better writer, a better director, um, you know, a, and a good cast of actors coming along and and redoing Beastmaster. And and making it a a really fun film, yeah, uh, and and one that that keeps up with modern times. Um, I definitely would not put any giant monsters in it, you know, whether they are practical or CG, um, because I don't, I really don't think this this type of the setting of Beastmaster is one that requires you know the big scary giant. Well, yeah, and and mythos monster. Where are you going to hide a big scary mythos monster in the desert? Well, I mean, that's the other thing is there are multiple more places now that are cheaper to shoot. They can shoot in Boston, the middle of the fucking desert. Shoot in downtown Boston. Shoot outside of Vancouver, where Amanda Parbit is. You know, you want a wasteland? There you go. You shoot around Nanda Par, but you want to, you know, wherever they shoot Le- the Leon Yu scenes, you could set a Beastmaster movie in that same forested area. Yeah. And then you can have, like, agriculture for your city. And, and it actually and it makes, makes sense. sense. And it actually makes sense that there's a fucking tiger there. Because I've okay. never seen many tigers walking around in the fucking desert. Nope. Nope. It's just not a climate that supports large... They're large, yeah, large predators in that environment, right? But you know, the other thing is is that you have to do a little bit of world building. I mean, it's like okay, you know, there's only one tiger, two ferrets, a falcon, a one dog, and a bunch of horses, and that's all the no, animals you ever uh, see, and a bear, one bear. And and that's it. Mike Ditka as the bear. Mike Ditka as the bear. As the bear. And you know it was it was Bill Murray. You know, Baloo comes out like, hey. oh man. 
with that, and yeah, the remake of the Jungle Book was fucking excellent. Yeah, we could do a whole fucking show about that. Right. Speaking of, you know, fantasy and and oh my god, that was so well done. Yeah. Um. So and, yeah, and respectful to the source material, but taking it in new directions mm-hmm. because you know the source material of Jungle Book obviously is you know what 17th century or 19th century uh english colonialist racist bullshit and they did away with that and had a great film that children my kids enjoyed it i enjoyed it i watched it again i I really enjoyed that movie Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean these types of films can and i i think these films you know these these sword and sorcery, these fantasy films and stuff like that still can be done. Um, you know it might be interesting for instead of say dark universe or whatever is you know for some of these these movie companies if they want to have these types of like serialized films go with a go with a sword and sorcery film. You know do. Do Conan, do Red Sonia, do, well, do Conan meets Red Sonia. Oh, that was a horrible movie. What? The Red, the Red Sonia movie. Oh, the, Red, the yeah, the Red yeah. Sonia movie. And that's a movie, that's a movie that could do with a remake. Yeah. But now if you look at the successful serial, serial movies out there, they are all pulp. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. The Marvel Universe, even that has its roots in pulp. And DC's, the DC films, the, I the said original successful. Mummy. I said successful. They made tons of money. Uh, yeah, I guess they did. Um, yeah, right, right. like the Brendan Fraser Mummy films. Well, those were great. Those were fun. Yeah, um, they 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 captured the spirit. It's like it's and, like and, running a Pulp Cthulhu game, really. Right. And and obvious and none of those films except for the DC ones took themselves seriously. Oh no! I mean, they were serious films, and you know, I'm sure that the the people involved were very serious. But the 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 films themselves had that lightheartedness to it mm-hmm. that um, I I sense because uh, I you couldn't pay me to go see the new Mummy. No. There's no. not enough money money in the world to drag me to that shit. But um, I get the feeling that it doesn't have that sense of fun. Right. And and I'm sorry, but that's going to tank the franchise. <laughs> These films have to be fun. Well, I mean, you know, we, we're, we're, we're getting a little bit off topic and, and running long. But what is the purpose of the Dark Universe? I mean, Marvel I'm making came out. The money sense. I'm making right. money sense. It's money. But, uh, cashing in. Right. But DC said, okay, we're going to make a Justice League film. That was their whole point of creating a universe. So they would have the end goal of Justice League. Right. Um, the guys who are in charge of the new uh, Godzilla and King Kong franchises, their short-term goal is we want Godzilla and King Kong to fucking fight. That's why we're yeah, putting well, them in the same universe. Right. Uh, the same thing with the, the Marvel Universe. They came out 12 years ago and said, we're going to make the Infinity Gauntlet saga into a film. Right. 
and this is what we have to do. This is what we have to do. But this dark universe thing, this universal monsters, you know, shared universe doesn't have that kind of goal. No, but to get a little bit more on top, you could conceivably take the old weird tales stories because they all exist. Not all of them, but the bulk of the writers you hear about that survive today and people still read Lovecraft, Howard, mm-hmm. Ash and Smith, blah, 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 shared a universe. Yes. Very, very tenuously, but they reference each other and they do share their universe. And that's right for plucking. Yes. You could conceivably make a shared weird tales universe. Mm-hmm. A weird verse. Right. Well, whatever you want to call it. And, and, have these sword and sorcery films be part of it. Have like some 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 weird tale horror stuff be part of it, and tie it all into each other, and have like a mega story that is created that eventually mm-hmm. ends up with the Migo invading Earth and blah 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 or whatever. You, you right. let Peter Rollick hammer out the details, right? Because that's pretty much what he did has done with the Reanimators books. Yeah, it, it, it really it is. Um, yep. So, on that note, we'll call it a night. And, and well, uh, this was fun, though. I, we should do an, another movie. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll decide what movie we want to do. And, and it makes a nice break from reading constantly. Yes. <laughs> not that not that reading is bad. Reading is yeah, fundamental, yeah. but but reading with a deadline constantly. When you do a when you do a weekly show, yeah, reading constantly is it gets a little it gets a little rough. So, uh, yeah, we'll call it a night, and uh, until then, we'll say. Uh, <laughs> I'm Dar, and Dar spelled backwards is rad. From Omicron Percy, I hey now. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.